You're listening to the Practically Pastoring Podcast, where we want to help pastors and church leaders share ideas, become better shepherds and leaders, and have a good time with friends. Welcome back to the Practically Pastoring Podcast. My name is Frank. The guys are fully full from their Thanksgiving meals. I'm here with my boys from all across the country. We got up in Baltimore, Maryland, Jeffrey Simpson. Did you say bumping Baltimore, Maryland? <laughs> Did I? Hello, I everyone. That's what it sounded like. Down, it. down in his uh, armory, apparently, uh, we got Delmar <laughs> Pete. Go Gamecocks. Okay. <laughs> uh, down in Florida, <laughs> together in the morning after uh, Ministry Studios, we got Andrew Larson. Greetings and salutations. And still hyped from the win, we got Timothy Miller. Not a catch. Let me get a Duval. Not Man, a catch. So stoked. How many different is, NFL uh, referees have to explain oh this to gosh. you, Jeff? Oh, yeah, because you love NFL referees' decision making. <laughs> yeah. Please. Foot and anything above the ankle is considered two feet. Nah, dude. His knee hit. There was daylight. Right. There was daylight. There was toe, and there was knee, and there was daylight. Toe, shin, knee. Nah, no shin. Jeffrey. There was no shin. Definite shin. No. Cool. Cool. Well, obviously the Jaguars won. So stoked his sleeves fell off. Hey, you know what the wildest Weird. part about that loss is? People are ready to cut Lamar Jackson right now. Like cut it, get it, get hilarious. him out of here, cut him loose. You're you're going to the playoffs again. <laughs> nice. Stop. Stop. That's so, a good thing. Besides football related commentary, how was everyone's weekend? How was church? Are we not going to talk about England? USA tying. I was gonna say, what about guys? The, it was a draw, uh, Jeff. It's it's a, a, yeah, draw. A draw yeah. I was trying to translate. Isn't that just called American boring? Listen, Isn't that boring? I mean, if you think all sports are boring, so your opinion is kind hey, of. Hey, I opened but... this bit with "Go Gamecocks." <laughs> yeah, you did. You did. You hey. did. Yeah, and that and was the, the most the, exciting draw that I have ever it was. seen. For a nil-nil draw, there's been. You know, two, that's two, true. Three, three. Okay, the most exciting that Cameroon game was pretty good. It, for a they, they came back draw, two, two. It was okay. Oh, but it you could soulless, feel dude. the you could feel the intensity. Like even though I was you know pretty much watching by myself, I felt like most of America. Dude, that was Pulisic off the crossbar that was ridiculous. I, I almost lost my mind. Oh, it was amazing. I was um. I there's a part of our there's a there was a bar downtown that had like this big open area where literally there was thousands of people watching the game and you could just hear the, <gasps> like the gas up and down and the screen. And, and I was watching it from a restaurant where I was having lunch and I was watching the TV and I was like, I could hear them like gasping. And I guess I don't know enough about soccer to understand why it was so intense, but I was rooting for, I mean, I was rooting for the USA like it was a revolutionary war, right? Like I was, I just Absolutely. wanted them to, to beat England, like crazy. That one we won. Uh, I want to ask a question from one. ignorance. There was no draw from there. <laughs> so why it. is it? Why is it when you know when football plays and one team wins and one loses? You know, it's just like rivalries. There why are is draws it? in the NFL. Okay, that's fair. But why was soccer? Why? How come with soccer I often hear about like mass violence and people literally dying? What's the difference? Because it's pretty boring, you know. <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, if I was bored, I would hit. Yeah, I guess just resort to fighting to make it fun. No, but serious, I don't know. Like, that's why is there? It is, man. Is it? Is it? Is it that much more like passionate than? It's more it, passionate. It's they way more have, passionate. They they have one professional sport. Right. Like if you know, it's more. It's like a. Re- we, it is have, their religion in a lot of yeah, places. Hundred percent. Well, sometimes walk, walk it seems like. Oftentimes, no it's college sports system like we have. 
That uh, is your one thing. You have one team in one sport, and and that's it. Well, and it also seems like in soccer, it's set by it. I mean, it's 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 people it are pretty loyal everything. too to their like home team. They don't. Well, they let don't me do put, what let we me, do and move somewhere new and just pick a new team. You know. Well, let me ask you this: handle. When it comes to football, you okay? You got like you know one state versus another state, to be whatever. Clear, you say American football, right? Is what we're talking about. Yeah, okay. but then when you go over to soccer or football. It seems like it's often like one country versus the next country. So it's like little mini wars. You know what I'm saying? Well, in international yes, because, tournaments, but, but not all the time. in the Champions League, you take yeah. you know, the, the two it's the uh, same thing. best finishers per uh, the, the senior league in yeah. all those different countries. That's and nuts. There's, there's hooliganism that goes mm. from the national level, but also the club level. But the other thing is... It is one sport that has a universal set of rules. Yeah. So it's not American football, Australian rules, football. I got you. So, so, it's, so it's one sport that is universally transferable. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. Offsides is offsides. So, Debatable. Well, well, consider me enlightened. Well, not, not <laughs> if you are Tim at a middle school boys soccer oh, game. Oh, boy. Then Tim, have you ever got kicked out of a middle school soccer I was game. asked to relocate. I was not <laughs> forcibly removed. Over an offside? Um, a non a non called offside. Oh, that should have been called blamed. an offside. It was. Mm. It wasn't even close. They didn't go to VAR. Should have. I was right there. They didn't need to. I told them. <laughs> um, I do think that like one one big appeal for the World Cup, Delmar, is that it's like a more hyped, more universally accepted version of the Olympics. Where like the Olympics seems somewhat like, um, like people are getting hyped over the javelin just because it's like America against other countries, but like very few people even know the rules to some of these Olympic sports. Where like yes. soccer, uh, most people it's not a niche sport. Yeah, it's like people no. can just watch the game and kind of understand the rules for the most part. Well, the, the vast majority of the Olympic sports cost oh. a whole lot of money to participate in, especially you know if you Sorry, talk I've about got oh, highlights yeah. on right now. Especially the the Winter Olympics, you know, you are not going to be the the poor kid from the streets of Buenos Aires and make your Olympic skiing team. That, you know, your both parents have to be lawyers or physicians for you to afford the lift time to be that caliber of a skier. Um, You know, and with the exception of track and field, you know, even if you are an elite swimmer, that means that you can pay for the pool time. But the elite soccer players come from any and all walks of life. Sure. So that's because and, and, the system of, the of youth sports con- is way better than our American youth sports system. Yes. Well, yeah. it's because they don't have they don't play for their school. Our, well, no, it's because yeah, the professional top level are, team supports all of the youth level teams underneath it. But right, but it's a farm a, Oh, so you're saying we should abolish of, school teams? I didn't. I agree. Not so like get behind that. Should we abolish we public it. schools? So let's go. So go Gamecocks out the window. We, oh. have, we have a different set of amateur athletics than they do. Yeah. In also, most of also, the world. Um, I, I think the one thing that makes the rest of the world's uh, no one soccer... said anything about my turkey hat, so I'm taking it off. Nice hat, Andrew. <laughs> I just was waiting until your head got hot. Um, the best athletes in every other country play soccer, where yeah. our best athletes are spread throughout. It's true. You know, different sports. So, or like, the homeschool nerds play. Less soccer is here. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And again, I was a soccer player, so yeah. that's yeah. true. <laughs> Well, anyways, okay, now that the sports segment's done, sponsored by ESPN. <laughs> Until what, 2 o'clock when Portugal comes on. All right. That's right. What, what, um, hey, 
My twenty three me says I'm I my answers becomes from there. Those colonizers, yay. All right, so my question to you guys is how was your Sunday? How was church? It was a disaster. What? <laughs> it was so <laughs> I am sitting Did you, did you preach in that hat? I was. I did not preach in that hat. No one said a word either. Yeah, and again, no one said anything. I had drumsticks sticking out of my temples. No one cared. Uh, so at nine twenty ish, I am sitting at our uh, live stream computer, getting the live stream ready to go out. And yeah, you know, we had a bunch of people gone. It was still a holiday weekend. What times the service and start for context? Ten o'clock. Okay, all right. So ten o'clock, and so I'm sitting getting stuff set up. Um, I had brought some of my camera gear with me on my trip to Arkansas. Um, the the gear that we use for the church's live stream is owned by me, but kept at the church. And so I had taken some of it with me, and I forgot my good tripod in the suitcase. And so my wife was bringing me the tripod. So she calls me. Uh, her van is completely dead, which Oof. sucks that it was dead on a Sunday morning. Oof. But being that it was the car that we had parked at the airport to get home, I'm glad it didn't die on Saturday. But so my wife also leads our children's ministry. And so not only do we have four of the kids that are typically active in our children's ministry not coming, but the person who is leading our children's ministry is not coming. And so then I'm scrambling with the volunteers to make sure they're good to get kids' ministry happening, even though my wife isn't there. And at 9.58, I realize, oh, wait, my sermon notes are in my Dropbox, which I access through my iPad, which my nine-year-old brings me every Sunday morning because it's his device most of the week except for Sunday morning. You're giving me anxiety He brings it to me. So it's like nine fifty eight, and I don't have any sermon notes, and so um, dude, so pull it up to, on your phone at least. Well, yeah, I, I print, I just printed them out from my computer, so I had to use paper notes, like Oof. it was twenty fourteen up in oh, here. Oh man! But you know, so first Sunday of Advent, we were, you know, about sixty five seventy percent of what we were a couple weeks ago pre Thanksgiving break when our people weren't traveling, and then you know of the people that are out of town, a lot of those people are volunteers, and so we're dealing with covering the uh the spaces and the gaps that they've left and then my wife isn't here my sermon notes aren't here so it all it all worked it was wonderful it was a great first sunday of advent but for about 20 minutes there it was just sheer and utter chaos absolute panic yeah that's scary mine was not nearly as terrifying i was out last sunday my dad preached so i was back in the saddle this past week we continued our our verse-by-verse trek through the Gospel of John. Yes, it was the first Sunday of Advent, but we're not doing a Advent-specific sermon series, which is kind of cool for me. Did you light a candle? We, we didn't even light a candle. We, we referenced Advent in the sermon Pagan. because it, it, fit, it fit well with, with John 15 and Jesus being the vine and us being called to abide in him. I thought it was a, a very appropriate kickoff to the Advent season. Uh, we didn't give any cool giveaways like you we, guys. We gave away this uh, adoration Advent devotional written cool. by the faculty of Dallas Theological Seminary. So we gave nice. we gave those away to everybody that, and that went over way better than I thought it would. I thought we'd have a bunch left, and we don't. So that's that's sweet. cool. That means our people actually want to. However, we we did have a, a bit of a scramble on Saturday. Three of our worship team members went down. I think two out of three of them with COVID three of them who were supposed to be on stage on Sunday. So they were scrambling a bit to to get the worship team together, but you wouldn't even have known, which was awesome. It was it was still smooth Go. and seamless, but I could tell they were they were definitely in full panic mode on Saturday, but it all worked out well. Andrew, are you just reading the devotional now that you gave away? 
I was <laughs> I was looking to see because every every day is a different faculty member. Oh, is this any good? To, hmm. Today's happens to be by uh, Dr. George Hillman, who mm. is currently the vice president for education and mm, professor this, of educational ministries. This in Advent Michigan. book talks about the rapture. Wait this a minute. <laughs> it, it does not, but Dr. Hillman was one of my favorites and advocates while I was a student at DTS. I don't know that I would have finished if he didn't yell at me sometimes. Frank, that reminds me, I totally got somebody the other day uh, at, at our church. They said something about the rapture, and I was like, yeah, I guess if you believe in that, and I just walked away. <laughs> and they were like, what? And it was, it was pretty funny. We talked about it later, but it was fun. <laughs> and then I thought, I probably shouldn't do that to people. Yeah, now you're kind I know. <laughs> it was like, um, mm, that might have been a little immaturity, but it was a little fun when I did it. <laughs> our Sunday was yeah, our Sunday was pretty good. It was the first Sunday of Advent, um, and we did Advent. My family was the uh, scripture reader candle lighters, so uh, that was pretty fun. I got to help hold my little one while my wife did the reading, and um, my little one took the guitar pick out of my hand and was trying to put it down my shirt in front of the whole congregation so it was pretty funny she was just like laughing and making noise and stuff so nobody was listening to the reading um but yeah it was good uh pretty normal sunday we our numbers are up a little bit right now so it's hopefully it's a trend and uh friday night we uh decorated the church for advent so that was fun we tried to have the kids help decorating like the tree that's on our stage and i don't know who but one of the kids dropped a, a an entire box of like the the uh, globe um, ornaments, so they shattered everywhere, and we were down a whole box of ornaments and stuff. But it was good. It was interesting because our church has gone through a little bit of a transition. So the everyone that showed up to help decorate is from like, you know, the new guard of people. So it was. It's interesting that on Sunday when the there's like a a group of a few ladies who used to always do the decorating, they came in and were like pleasantly surprised and happy that you know, and they were talking about how you know maybe it's time to pass the baton on and all that. So it went way better than I thought. I was worried that people were going to feel like their toes were stepped on, but actually, no, they, they handled it like champs. So it was really fun, and it was a good Sunday. Steph and I did not do Christmas decorating this year for the first time in our history of Lakeview. We had 40-plus volunteers show up, and I realized that I would have been more of a hindrance than a help. And I'm like, you know what? You guys, you guys got this. It was really, really cool. So did you even go, or you just like stayed home? We was right after church, so I, I was, and you know how it is, like when you're trying to get yeah. to your church from the office, it was a 20-minute walk, and I'm like, if I stay here, it's going to be conversation after conversation, and, and very little work is actually going to get done, so yeah, we just left after second service. All right, guys, got to go to lunch. See ya. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that's uh, the best move. Yeah, church for us was really good this week. We finished up Romans chapter 8. We've been in doing that for about six weeks, and our worship pastor um, preached this week. And uh, he brought it. It was really cool. Um, he it was. It's always. I love it that like all the staff at our church get to preach. That's really cool. But uh, like you guys, I, I guess it's a trend. Like people are coming back in a pretty big way. I guess maybe it's the season. Also, the time change uh, has got some of that going on. But uh, yeah, I mean, for the rest for the rest of the day, it was pretty dang normal. We had students last night, and uh, we had to move our students out of what is called the student room. They're now meeting in the worship center, which is a good thing because we're having to utilize a, lar a little bit larger space. So that's always good. And uh, just getting ready for all the Christmas. I don't know how Christmas is shaking down at y'all's churches, but we got stuff. So um, we're having a, instead of a traditional, like 
student men party. We're having a full family ministry hog roast, like barbecue. So that's going to be, you know, that's going to be dope. And we're going to have shotguns and skeet and tannerite and blowing stuff up because this is South Carolina. You know Ura. what's not there? What? The gospel. I'm just oh, <laughs> dang. Got okay, him. Okay. Right. Ministering to anyone okay. who voted blue. Got, Got him. Uh, Hey man, there's a lot of blue who shoots guns. Don't don't yeah, don't. They're don't, called don't police officers. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's the best line today. That's the best line today. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Wow. Right. Okay. Oh, All right. Uh, in terms of our, 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 you know, it was uh, we had a missionary preach, and, and he was great. He's a missionary from Prague. Better than and- the Gideon. Better than the Gideon. I don't know if I've ever heard a Gideon preach. So, oh. um, but uh, no, this is a missionary from Prague. He's a church planner. Um, he also this is actually kind of cool. He's a, f- a head football coach, American football in Prague, and that's huh. kind of a big way how he is like reached into the community and into like the civic and like the affluent circles of Prague is by being the head coach of an American football team has given him a lot of opportunity to. Preach the gospel. It's pretty cool. So basically, um, he recruits rugby players and sounds, makes them into <laughs> American football players. <laughs> I think there are some like um, American players that come, oh. you know, they go to Europe. But like, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of like, hey, you can tackle. So let me teach you how to play football. Mm-hmm. Thing. Um, but he did great. He continued this in our series. We, the only thing that we did that was abnormal is, um, you know, we, we took a long time before we brought back like a meet and greet time in our service. And this week, because there was nothing else in our service, we did this like two minute countdown where we're like, Hey, for two minutes, talk to as many people as you can. And our people seem to be into it. Um, it was, it was fun. I, it was cool to see everyone like walking around and, and talking and things like that. Um, but yeah, other than that, pretty, pretty chill was out by, you know, service ends at around 1215 and I was probably out of the church by 1245. So it was, a, it was a good Sunday. Got to go home and play some Call of Duty. It was a good time. Um, all right. Well, I, uh, I, I think our Sundays went well. We are, we are also actually tonight, this afternoon, this evening is when we're decorating our church for Christmas. We don't do it after service. We, we do it on a, a, a small group comes in during the week. So I'm excited to see what our church is going to look like in that. But you know what else I'm excited about? I'm also excited about what, the practically. So, <laughs> I just interrupted. I just wow. interrupted your beautiful cell of the practically. That was a really good segue we had to, going. To point out that it's interesting that the churches who are not meeting on uh, Christmas Sunday. Oh, here it is. Also, also were not very likely to have their spaces decorated for the beginning of the Advent season. True. You didn't even sing a Christmas song. What's Advent? I'm just kidding. <laughs> exactly. You don't sing Christmas no. songs in Advent, Timothy. It's Advent. <laughs> we we started our service with it with a Christmas song on Sunday, Joy to the World. I guess we So what are you going to do for the Christmas 12 days of Christmas? Joy to the World is a song about the millennial yeah, kingdom. It's about the second coming, actually. Yeah. <laughs> no, so, we did the Chris Tomlin rendition, so it is a Christmas song. Just okay. because it was on a Chris Tomlin Christmas album doesn't account. It means he, Chris doesn't know either. I was going to make I was going to make a joke, but it was mean. Wait, so. an album on Chris Tomlin, so, uh, a, a song and a Chris Tomlin album that he didn't write? No. <laughs> Shock. Leave Chris alone. He's, a, he's, he's the a, shortest worship leader of our generation. <laughs> Why is there so much Chris Tomlin hate? <laughs> I don't hate him. None while, for me. While None we're talking me. about worship leaders of our generation, oh my goodness. The, uh, the, the David Crowder... Uh, David Crowder's house is used in the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Pretty, pretty funny. So I watched which it. Which was, was hilarious. Great. It was so good. <laughs> 
And all and I got to say they, is they, Crowder's they have a great house. Crowder's rich. Yeah, <laughs> like he has oh, a nice house. We're aware. We're all <laughs> oh aware. yeah. That's we all a, contributed to it. <laughs> that's a very very nice house. Go You're watch welcome, the Gar- Go watch the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. It's 45 minutes long and it's very light, very easy peasy show. It's it's great. And the house that Kevin Bacon lives in. <laughs> it's funny. That's it? it's a funny sentence to say. The house Kevin Bacon lives in is David Crowder's house. That's funny. Really? So yeah, yeah. David Crowder let Marvel use his house for the movie. Uh, like, how did Marvel know how to to contact him? It. Don't worry about it. it. There's a whole there's a whole article about this in Relevant. Relevant huh? has an article on it. They, People Magazine did a thing because they had like renovated an ugly house and made it pretty, and someone just knocked on his door one day. Yeah, and Kevin Bacon. <laughs> it's it's great. It's great. Super fun movie. All right. So speaking of super fun movies, hey, hold on, I can't no, wait. hold on. We talked about the best part of our week Sunday morning, but can we talk about the worst part of my week, which was when I burned a Thanksgiving turkey? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, For all the happened? talk we said about how I can cook, and I admit I've played into it. I got to. I got to come clean here. Completely blackened the skin of my turkey that I brined overnight. I spatchcocked. I. Put barbecue rub all over beautifully. You heard what I said. Put it in the smoker. Got a little greedy. Got a little hungry. Thought, you know what? I'm going to throw this under the broiler for the last final touch. Get the skin crispy. And boy, did I get the skin crispy. Because it was blackened. And you know what my conclusion was? If I'm having Thanksgiving dinner with just my family again, I'm making steaks. I ain't making turkey. I don't even like turkey that much. Why do I have to eat turkey? This is America after all. So I just wanted to share Turkey with you. is my least favorite Thanksgiving food. Yeah, I don't even think they <laughs> ate turkey. They probably ate fish, frankly, and I'd rather have a nice slab of salmon. So I'd rather have peanut butter and jelly. That's no, excessive. you really not? <laughs> yeah, dude, like it's they, turkey. They eels. They I don't know. stuffed eels on the first Thanksgiving. No, I don't know. Jack, I was, did I'm American. I don't know my own history. Come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, I, I just I wanted mean, to admit mistakes were made. Now oh I can move what? on. I'm glad. I made a turkey. It came out pretty good. Um, in the smoker? No, I ended up using the oven. It's like it's like it was it's like cold 20 outside. degrees. Yeah. yeah, it's super cold. Um, okay, now I'm going to talk about the conference. So no but one. Speaking of me. Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but the mashed potatoes I made were on point, though. Speaking of Thanksgiving, you know what I'm thankful for? The Bradley Pastor Conference. I said it. Yes, I sir. It. It was good. Um, February 20th to the 22nd, the five of us are going to be there. We hope that you can be there too. Go to practicallypastoringconference.com. It's Cyber Monday. So let me, if you use the code Cyber Monday, you're going to get a sweet discount on, um, on, uh, on, uh, on, on the registration. So make sure you go to practicallypastoring.com and use the code Cyber Monday for the discount. How much the discount will be? Go to the website and find out, and you'll see how Ooh. much the discount will be. It'll be practically it'll be pastoring w- conference at Lakeview Church, boys and girls. Yes. Yeah. We could the, we could even hey. host a, a giant flag football tournament Ooh. if we wanted to. I like we, that. we did it on Thursday. Can we get, the, can we get the big arch to run through the blow up arch that you have? We have it in the closet. I want it. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, <laughs> listen, if you're listening to this, tell your spouse this would be the perfect Valentine's Day present. It's like the week after Valentine's Day. Yeah, yeah. Tell your spouse. You know, and for all you Midwesterners and Northeasterners and stuff like that, where else would you rather be in the February? Like the coldest part of the year. Yeah, when you're sick of winter. Go to Florida where you can wear shorts and a T-shirt. It's probably going to be like 
79. It'd probably be the temperature. You could wear jorts if you want to. That's what yeah. it was yesterday morning, and I was in yes. Arkansas all week where it was 40 degrees, and my car, like, I, it was so muggy yesterday yeah, morning. I, no I, had to, I had to drop the air down to like 72 in the worship center just so that it wouldn't be humid. It was crazy hot. So come to Florida where we sweat constantly. Oh, great. Well, with that being said, uh, today's conversation is uh, is going to be, I, I think for the next couple of weeks, we're going to do like a, a year in review of like our favorite things in 2022. And today we are going to talk about the best book, the best book that we've read this year. Some of the books, maybe you've, you kind of suspect that we brought them up in the podcast before. Some of them, maybe you didn't know that we read them. And so this is the first time we're going to bring them up. And so what I asked every single guy here is to share what is their best book that they've read and why that you, the listener, should read that book that they've read. And, and maybe they share about how it's like affected the way they do church or ministry or their own walk with Christ, depending on what the book is about. All right. So I'm going to I'm going to pick someone to go first. I'm going to go with Timothy Miller, since you gave me the book last. Tell me why you tell me what your book is and what is the best book you've read this year and and why you think it's the best book you've read this year. I am still going through it, but it has already made uh, quite the impact on me as I'm nearing the end of my seminary journey. And it's just been a crazy last few months. And I felt a little discombobulated, scrambling a bit. And then I someone had recommended this to me. It's it's called The Emotionally Healthy Leader by Peter Scazzaro, is that how you say his name? Yeah. I guess. Peter Scazzaro. You've probably heard of it. He's got a series because he's got like Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, The Emotionally Healthy Church. Uh, but The Emotionally Healthy Leader, really it could be called The Emotionally Healthy Pastor. And it's just about his journey uh, as a pastor and what led him to really start focusing on not not just the the growth of his church, which was very much a big part of his early days as a pastor, but started focusing really on the emotional health of himself, his staff, and his church. And for me, that's kind of where where I've been lately, what, what I've needed lately is to start focusing a little bit on my own emotional health, just, just from the sheer busyness and craziness of my own life. So it's been really helpful for me uh, over the last few weeks and months. So it's actually going to be uh, the book that we read together as a Lakeview Church staff starting in January. So I'm going to be giving this book to all of our staff in just a couple of weeks, and we're going to go through it as a staff. And each month throughout all of 2023, we're going to discuss a different chapter at staff meeting each month. So I'm excited to go through it with my church staff as well, because he, he goes into different church staffing positions. Now, does that count as your Christmas gift to the staff? It has hey, to. guys, this, I got you something for Christmas. Uh, Here's your bonus. Required, also a... required reading. Hey, we did approve Christmas bonuses for the second time in a Ooh. row at Lakeview Church. They're all getting them on Friday night. I'm really excited about that. You guys hiring right now? Do you want me to? I just want to come hang out. Sidebar, guys. Before before we move on, emotionally healthy leader, great book. I uh, two of my elders pulled me aside in between services yesterday. Felt a little bit like I was going into the principal's office. Uh oh. They pulled me pulled me into one of the classrooms. Say, so, hey, Tim, we just want to let you know that uh, we, we had an executive session meeting, which was it's basically a, a, an elder meeting without the pastor present. Hardest pounding. And we approved your raise. Oh! Yeah, yeah boy. Yay. Like oh. Way to flex awesome. on us. Oh, <laughs> Hold on. Awesome. I, I just realized I was on mute. I was trying to say something about your emotionally healthy book. 
um, how that one chat because that was mandatory reading in my last church, and uh, yeah. And there's that one part where he says he well, likes to. That s- is a screaming commendation for the book. That's actually scary, though. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's just go ahead and say that book That's can scary. be used for godly or nefarious purposes. Let's just put. Uh, there's one section in it. I I, I want to see if you brought where it talks about standing so nude loud. before your spouse. Oh no, okay. I haven't got there yet. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's one oh, section no. where he talks about how he likes to be nude around his spouse for. Quite a like thirty minutes a day or something. It was very yeah. I'm, I'm I'm like ninety percent certain. I'm pretty sure it's that book. It's definitely one of the books I was required to read. Is that Doug's marriage book? Chapter seven. That's chapter seven. The emotionally healthy marriage. Oh my gosh! No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Tim, when you read that book, and you don't have to give us names. But are you seeing like emotionally unhealthy staff or key leaders in your church that you're like, oh man? Start naming names, Tim. This is like I, the re- obviously there's some self awareness coming from this book for yourself. It, it was like- it was it was very much self awareness for me that for, okay. for the most part. But but yeah, I mean absolutely, I can see you know tendencies and characteristics in in my staff and leadership where i thought you know this this could be this could be healthy for all i think that's the one caution i would give with that book is it is it can be easily used for staff to diagnose other staff with things that are not it's not healthy i was just hoping that it would generate a a good discussion because yeah yeah for sure a lot of horror stories of and i've seen that in churches before that could be avoidable usually it it revolves around having a, a discussion with the person so all right. Well, that is emotionally healthy leader. Um, Haven't got to the nudity section yet, but I'll fill you in when I get there. The link is in All the right. show notes. Uh, Delmar, tell us, why did you pick your book? What is your book and, and what's great about it? Okay, the painting cats one that I sent you nope, or the other? Nope, oh, no, the, not the, the painting cat one. I'm actually recommending. <laughs> it's Preach, uh, Theology Meets Practice uh, by Mark Dever. Some of y'all followed him, now Mark's fella. I thought it was really good. Um it's a good reminder for anyone who's been in a pulpit for some time. It bring it recenters you back onto like this is what preaching is. This is what it's calling us to do, what it's calling us to be. How um like scriptures like a scratch a stiff sticker, you scratch a little bit, you should get to the gospel really quick, right? Um it's all, but I I like other than theology, he goes into methodology, like how would what's the best way to um structure your series, your sermons, how you're walking through scripture. And what I like is he's pretty pretty honest because he's like listen these are the advantages of preaching verse by verse and these are the advantages of not doing that and like he he doesn't just try to like paint one picture of it uh so for me this is this is really really practical i would encourage any pastor leaving to take some of their key leaders through this book and say read this book observe me preach let's talk Allow yourself to be put under the scrutiny of godly people in your church who are trained, not just in how to apply your sermons, but how to listen to them. Um, because it's a really, really good um, check on yourself. It's a really good um, accountability. This book can be used as a great accountability in your own church. Um, that's cool. Like, so you, so you've you've already read it, and you've really you've really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I've I've completed it, and uh, I actually read it for the first time. I wrote in the front 2013, and then I, I go back and hit the highlights every now and then just to kind of refresh myself on books that I really like. 
And like I said, I thought this one was really good, especially also if you're the kind of person who's um, you identify and train young preachers in your own congregation, which I know a lot of our guys do that. It's a great book to give them even before you get into all the mechanics of preaching because it kind of sets you down the right path. It's like turning on the GPS before you crank up the car, if that makes sense. All right. All right. Um, cool. Well, uh, I, I might have to put this in my list of the preaching books I need to add. I'm, I'm on this like preaching kick. I want to take um, my goal during my sabbatical. If there's one kind of like extended learning, if I'm done with seminary, which I should be done by seminary before my sabbatical, I want to do John Mark Comer's um, The Art of Preaching uh, Masterclass. And so uh, I'm, you know, I might add this book in there. That's awesome. All right. You like it. Let's see. Andrew, tell us about your book recommendation that everybody should be reading this year. I am recommending Shrink by Tim Suttle. It is Shrink Faithful Ministry in a Church Growth Culture. And I don't know if it is a book that will speak to everybody the way that it spoke to me, but being the pastor of a smaller church, not even not even to say to be the pastor, but to be called to a specific type of church in a specific community, a book that's kind of like, hey, what are what are we doing right about church as opposed to, you know, we all saw that video that was going around last night of, I think it's Preston Wood out in uh, North Dallas with the... Uh, the little drummer boys on the zip lines and all that stuff. And sometimes when you are in a smaller church setting, the temptation is to always look at what the big boys are doing. And Tim Suttle does a really good job. You, you could even call it a subtle job of <laughs> reminding us that church is not supposed to be only about bigger and be- better and bigger and better. His One of the uh, big takeaways that, that he leans into is, we always hear in the business world that great is the enemy of good, but good is also the enemy of great. And so often we kill things that are really good because they're not the best. Mm. And that causes us to, to lose people and to lose our influence just because we don't want to do something if we're not will you know, we aren't willing to do things if we're not going to be the best at them. And so for churches, our call isn't to just be the best at everything but it is to do what God has called us to do. And um, he, he talks a lot about John the Baptist and he must increase and I must decrease. And our role as a church is to shrink, not to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Because if you have a mindset of grow or die, then chances are you're eventually going to die. But if you Uh-oh. have the mindset of, my job is not to grow myself, my platform, or my influence, or even my church's role in the community. My job is to be faithful and for Jesus's role and Jesus's prestige to increase in my community. Then the church is going to stick around a lot longer. You, that actually um, is really solid. Go ahead, it's, though. it's an older book. It came out in 2014, I think. But it was, and it, truth be told, it was a required reading for a class in my my demon program but it was the first time in several years that i read something that i felt like was specifically targeted yeah. to um a pastor in a church like mine and it was incredibly refreshing well there's a uh, there was a really great i mean that tongue-in-cheek hermeneutic uh, I, I heard just recently 
And it was a pastor was preaching and he's trying to grow his church. This is a real sermon. And he says, listen, the first time Peter preached, there was 3000 people. So the first church was a mega church and that's the standard God has. So we should be trying to be like that. Dude, I was like, standards are three minute sermons too. Then great. Yeah. I'm yeah. I'm also like, uh, so they, uh, initiated elders had deacons and had weekly gatherings after that first sermon. I'm sure. That's interesting. But, but I think to me, that just goes to show like what, why that book is so important though. Cause that's just our tendency to read that into scripture. Isn't it? Like when we, we just tend to take like all of our success straight to that. So I think that's, I'm going to have to check that book out. Uh, is there like a critique of the church growth movement or is it just like a perspective of what, you know, the simple, the smaller, like how the small church is going to thrive in the sea of a bunch of churches trying to be huge. I think yes. And in, yeah. in some of the, the critiques on the book, you know, I'm, I'm on Goodreads right now because it's been several months since I read it. And, you know, there, there are several people that are like, yeah, but you know, it's kind of, uh, pragmatic and because you know when when I was reading it, I thought, hey, this is great and wonderful. And now that I'm looking at some of the criticism of the book, um, he he talks about you know the the weight that is placed on some of these churches to grow, to grow, to grow, and just because a church has grown doesn't necessarily mean that it's compromising or doesn't mean that it's losing sight of what uh, what God has called the church to do. And I think that's that's a fair point as well. But I I think reading it with the attitude of, you know, what what is it that a church is called to do? And I think like anything you read that you know to, to get something published, you kind of have to say some things that have not been said a bunch of times over and over and over. And so in most books that we're reading, there are going to be a few points that are going to you know the clippings are going to make the headlines that will be just outside of orthodoxy that'll get us talking. But the vast majority of this, I, it's funny, I, I did not read any critiques of it until right now. And um, it's, it's kind of interesting that there are, you know, a few three and four star reviews calling out certain things that they didn't like about the book. And I think a big part of that is he's talking about a small church of a church under 200, which is a very American idea. You know, a church of 40 or 50 is a healthy church uh, in, in the UK, which is, you know, a country whose culture is very close to ours so i i think maybe this is just a great reminder for american church pastors but i think it it is relevant and it is important to remember that we are in the places that god has called us to be and he has not called us to be the church down the street or on the internet because there's definitely a place like you said in the review there's definitely a place for big churches you know my my one advice I would lean into if you're in a larger church or a growing church is be really good at having a good housemaid. And what I mean by that is if you live in a small house, you Not have everybody to, everybody can afford a cleaning lady. Dell. Hey, wow. these big, wow. these big churches that can, I got all that money. No, but seriously, if you're in a smaller house, you got to work harder to keep it clean because like you move one thing in your house. I've lived in a really small house before. Right. And like, it's really hard to keep clean, but it's, it's easier because it forces you. Whereas in a big house any, or a house that's a bit too big for your family, how easy is it to get that one closet or bedroom that's just filled with clutter, filled with junk, filled with all the stuff that you don't need anymore? 
is similar in big churches. Like when the church is really big, it's easier to tuck conversations that shouldn't be had ethical practices that shouldn't be happening to tuck them in closets and rooms that no one sees. So you have to go that much more intense to have accountability. Um, that's one of the things I commend for Frank's church this year. Like I've seen Epicos go through this journey this past year. And I'm like, that's really good maid service, man. Like if I was in town, I would check out your church because like that's transparent. Um, whereas whenever, um, Whenever there's lots of clutter, you tend to make excuses for it. In, in big churches, we call that the narrative, right? What's the narrative? There's three stories. There's the story that they say behind your back. There's a story that they say to each other. And then there's the story they tell the church. But in smaller churches, because if you've been there, you know, oh, it's, it's harder to spin those stories because there's less rooms to tuck stuff. So I think to me, it sounds like um, that book would be a really good asset even for big churches, because it, one of the things big churches can learn from smaller churches is a little bit more about, you know, how do we operate in the open a little bit more? Not to say there aren't some things that are private, but you know what I'm saying? That's good. Um, I, I'll go next because I want to I, I let Jeffrey uh, go last and I want to hear how great his book because your book sounds epic. But my book is the most expensive. Um, it's called The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. Um, it's by Carl Truman and, um, it, it was a book that was required for one of my classes this year. And it was probably the book that's had the biggest impact since I've started seminary. And, um, as a pastor who's running into conversations of sexual Pretty important sin, book. Yeah. Sexual morality, homosexuality, even cohabitation, stuff like that. Like identity, gender conversations, like this book has probably been one of the the clear like I say clearest, but it's a dense book at the same time. It's one of the clearest books on like how we got to where we are, you know, navigating history, navigating um, kind of modern psychology and how uh, psychology and therapy has evolved to different expressions of of what is popular in the zeitgeist and it's 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 a fascinating book i just, i'm on the i'm on the amazon website I, I guess ben shapiro loved it he says it's the most important book of our moment i didn't realize that ben shapiro read it but um it's 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 such a good book it's a thick book it's a dense book and it will you might like i would actually recommend people listening to the audiobook because it's probably a little bit easier to digest when you hear him talk versus um reading it I will say one thing. This is a fun audible fact that you should you should know. Um, usually, I listen to all my audiobooks at two point speed, two point zero speed, because I want to get through it faster. But when people have accents, I can't do that, so I have to put it at like one speed or like one point two speed to get to kind of get through it a little bit quicker. But um, it is a great book, and I mean, if you want to have at least some kind of like biblical knowledge on how to have fluent conversations on transgenderism on on gender identity well even just individualism i mean yeah it, yeah even yeah yeah even just individual how we get to be how we even as christians i yeah. get to the point where it's just like it's just me and my my god dude i ran into this it's yesterday so i had a young couple come up to me who i'm going to do their wedding and the the woman was like and they're like 20 21 years old and the woman was like hey my younger sister can you tell me if this is like she was I could tell she was already offended 
and she was like, can you tell me if I'm right? My younger sister at, like, her home church um, wanted, like, was going to get baptized, went to the pastor and said, I want to get baptized. He he made her share her, her testimony with him, and when she shared her testimony, he told her, no, he couldn't baptize her. Can you believe it? And I had to be like, yeah, that's that's pretty normal. You know, that's actually, like, but <laughs> yeah, it was just, it prudent. was just, you know, that evidence of, like, that indiv- rampant individualism where it's like you can't say no to anybody about anything because that, you know, that's that modern idea of like the self, you know, uh, being the most important thing. So that book, would it help like reconcile, you know, the fact that, you know, collectively we are the elect, we're the bride of Christ, but we also have this individual relationship with God. So there is this dualistic nature in our relationship with God. And, and I agree with you guys a lot of times, and it's very unhealthy that personalized custom one-on-one relationship with God wins out above the collective church and all the years of wisdom and accountability that comes through that. That's awesome. I, um, I, uh, recommend this book to everybody. I have let people borrow it. And they give it to me. They give it back to me after like a chapter in. They're like, "It's too dense for me right now," and I'm like, "Okay, I'm sorry." <laughs> so you gotta. I mean, I don't nice know. Nice flex, Frank. I, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I had to read this, and I will say it was it was a little bit of a tough read, even for like it was of all the books I've read for my master's degree. This is the most mastery master's degree book I've read. But like, um, it's it's after I finished it, I felt like. Oh man, I'm so glad I read this. So it was a good book. Rise and Triumph of the Modern. So I, I think um, Truman has another book that either just came out since this book. Um, that's kind of on a similar topic. I don't know. What, my computer is like going slow, but um, there's a couple other books he came out with recently that I, I wanted to read that are similar in the subject. Strange New World is the other book that he just came out with. Yeah. Um, I wanted to read that. I want to read that. Okay. So uh, Jeff, you are the fifth one. And you have a book about worship, I believe. Uh, let's yeah, hear it's called it. the Bible. No, I had to do it. <laughs> I can't Wait, believe nobody did that yet. Oh man, what's the book, and why do we? Why should we read it? Uh, the Psalms. No, the book. This book is called um, "Transforming Worship: Planning and Leading Sunday Services as If Spiritual Formation Mattered," uh, which it does. Um, yeah, I I saw it on a Amazon list or something, and. Um, I just it looked really interesting to me, and uh, I don't know if you guys can see this my paper copy, but it's like full of uh, the little post-it note things because I have a lot of highlighted stuff. Um, you know, it's really part of it is historical. So if you are from a, which I'm assuming many of us who list, who many people who listen to this podcast are, uh, most of us are. If you are like me from a low church kind of middle of the road evangelical background, um, this book might be a primer for you to. Uh, have your eyes open to the history of the church in a more broad sense, the history of Christian worship. Um, it goes through <clears throat> one of the mo- more interesting parts is kind of the, there's a chapter on the formula for Sunday services and it kind of walks you through um, first kind of the formula from like um, the, the uh, Emmaus road uh, and then there, and then it moves to revivalism and then it moves to kind of contemporary evangelicalism, and then it makes a case for uh, another, you know, another sort of broad movement of the service. So, as an example, revivalism 
Uh, the basic order of the service would be songs, sermon, and a closing. Uh, the basic modern contemporary binary, it calls it the binary contemporary order of service, would be a worship set and then a sermon. And what it's calling for, which is kind of what we actually do at my church, is this like fivefold um, movement of service where you have a call to worship, a worship set, the sermon, the table, and then ascending. Um, and so those main parts. And like if you were to pull up my planning center, you would see I have that as like a template. And that's kind of how we order our service. But the thrust of the book is just helping you to understand that every that the the gathered worship service is full of spiritual practices. It's not just a thing we do to get us ready to hear the sermon. Uh, the sermon is one piece of that, but that the whole service itself is like this. All of it is really important. All of it has meaning whether or not we even intend it to. So uh, it's really important for us to be intentional about it because if you are not intentional, you might be communicating things you don't mean to communicate um, because everything we do communicates something. So Really good. Um, a lot of a lot of quotable things in here, but he really does a good job of kind of like talking about kind of how, you know, our American way of thinking affects us and how we do worship planning and stuff. So uh, really good stuff in here would recommend it for I mean, I would recommend it for any pastor, of course, particularly worship pastors. But I think senior pastors, it's really important for you to remember, like you you are overseeing more than just the sermon moment. You know, you're overseeing the entire service. And this is a huge, um, you know, we talk a lot about Andrew's famous line of it's a discipleship issue. Well, your Sunday service is a discipleship issue. And, um, you know, if you think about how many people there are that only come to your service and only interact with your church in the Sunday morning moment, um, you know, take full opportunity to do everything you can to make it a meaningful thing. So I would recommend the book for really any pastor. Um, at the very least, it'll get you thinking and even walks you through some of the church gear. Um, there's a little section on Advent in there. Uh, so yeah, would, would really recommend it. Um, is there anything that you have like implemented into your, like you've maybe like before you read it, you weren't doing something or you did it differently. And now since you've read it, you're like, I changed this in my worship service. Um, I would say it was more of just for me because of like where my headspace has been. It was more of like reawakening stuff that I have gotten away from, you know, so going back to a strong call to worship, you know, having a specific call to worship, I would say one of the main things it did on a real practical level is it reawakened my uh, desire to write things like prayers and creeds and proclamations that our, that our congregation will say. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more elements of our service where the congregation is like reading something off the screen as a prayer or a, a proclamation or something for instance our giving right right now since covid we've we've gone to just a box on the wall um or online which is great love it don't have to plan ushers every week but um i realized that that wasn't very meaningful it was just kind of like oh hey by the way you can give if you want and there's the box and so reading this book made me go back and um start writing some uh like proclamations for giving so we basically have a moment in service where either me or someone else will say it's giving. There's three ways you can give. There's the box. There's the online. You can text to give. And we're going to say this prayer now together as a way to make this a meaningful moment. And we say something basically like, uh, you know, God, you've given us everything that we need. And we're going to respond now in worship by giving. We do this because we are worshiping you for what you've done for us. And we're proclaiming that you meet all our needs or something like that. 
um, you know, much better written, but some kind of prayer proclamation like that. And the good thing about those is they, they are uh, didactic. They teach you something. You remember those things. My, my daughter uh, basically has all of the uh, words uh, for communion memorized from 1 Corinthians 11, which is pretty cool. Like she knows the script from 1 Corinthians 11 for the communion moment. Uh, and that's part of why we do those kind of things, because they do kind of stick and uh, they teach you something. So, yeah, that, I would say that's the biggest thing for me. If you haven't been exposed to these things before, then, yeah, maybe it would make you go, oh, I want to try that. And I would say this book would be a good jumping off point. But in the appendix in the back, there's a bunch of prayers and responsive readings and stuff that are right there written for you. So uh, it's really helpful. That's awesome. Well, I mean, those are the five books. Uh, we have The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self, Preach from Nine Marks, Shrink, Transforming Worship, and The Emotionally Healthy Leader. Hey, before we wrap this up, is there any kind of like uh, number two books that were like, oh, I had to choose between these two books. This was the one that barely made it over. The one I always want to talk about that I think was the second most useful book this year was The Post-Quarantine Church by Tom Rainer. Mm-hmm. That book really challenged me to think. I, I think for a lot of churches, we we like are like sulking in the reality of what COVID did to our churches, and not thinking creatively of like, okay, how can we be the church in light of our circumstances? And the post quarantine church really gives like a vision of like, what if you changed the way you thought about your buildings? What if you changed the way you thought about? Um, discipleship and, and like nothing like radical as in like it's unbiblical but more of just like instead of sulking about how you you are struggling to go back to how things were let's let's cast a vision how you can be more of the church in a new setting in a new world does that make sense and i thought that was uh it, w- it was a really challenging book any other quick books that you're like hey i, I love the book in, in that in that same vein the rediscover church that crossway sent out yeah. to pretty much anybody and everybody who yeah. wanted it it was good. Um, that that has come in very very handy, I think, during this season. And if you want a we copy, were, may, talk to one of us. We probably have an extra Yeah, we have somewhere. we have uh, literally boxes of them. Um, I read Church Elders with our elders, the the nine marks Church Elders, how to shepherd God's people like Jesus, and it was concise. So if you're if you're thinking about praying about what does it look like to move to an elder-led model, or maybe you're just wondering how can we do some some better elder training for our elders, this would be a great place to start. We're actually having all prospective elders, before they even go through the interview process, they're, this is now required reading at Lakeview if you're interested in becoming an elder. I, uh, I, I debated between this worship book and this book right here. It's called Christus Victor by Gustav Allen. It is a study of three main uh, theories of the atonement, and that book was really good. It's it's kind of a classic. Uh, one of my uh, one of my guys here at the church gave it to me to read. Really, really good. We read um, the mosaic of the atonement. Um, a, a, a couple of, of us on staff read the mosaic of atonement, which talked about the different views of the atonement. As yeah, well. that's pretty interesting. Delmar, any second, any runner ups? Nope, that's the only book you read. <laughs> You're on mute. No, you got it. Okay. Yeah, I realize that. Um, no, I think I brought this up when we were reading it, but the Gospel Center Church is a good one. Yeah. Um, there, it, it could it could tend to be a little like um, the one that Andrew was talking about. It can tend to be a little heavy handed, right, in some areas. But I think that it's it is a needed balance in our climate of evangelical Christianity today. Mm, mm, that's good. 
Well, those are the book recommendations. The five main ones are going to be in the show notes. If you want a, a list of the books that were just mentioned as the runner-ups, hit rewind a couple of times and re-listen to it, and you can find out the books that we just recommended. All right, guys, this was a uh, a good time, a good show. Uh, any 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 things we need to say before we wrap up, guys? I got a message from a listener. Oh yeah, a, a little bit. I didn't see it until uh, fairly recently i think i saw it for the first time uh saturday but i, I got a, a message on november 15th that i didn't realize because it was in my not someone who, who wasn't a friend file on instagram or on uh facebook and he was a uh, wonderful introduced himself and talked about how he's a listener um and he is currently pursuing an mdiv at liberty university and wanted some explanation about the, let me use his words, not mine. Um, it sounds like you get a healthy razzing for attending Liberty. And then he <laughs> wanted to know, A, why you guys are so mean to me, and if it's justified. I just thought it was very interesting that our li listeners are reaching out and saying that you guys are big, big jerk faces. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, wanted to know about. Uh, I can say about it's it's a hundred percent about Andrew and zero percent about Liberty. <laughs> um, well, being that my response was the people that are being the meanest to me either don't have a seminary degree or think a thirty-hour MA from a liberal arts school is the same as a seminary degree. <laughs> wow! So, you know. Ouch. Oh my God! Not facts. Somebody is hurt though. Um, Very. I thought it was funny. It is funny. I mean, I will say, as someone who gets razzed often for being a campus pastor, I'm glad someone else <laughs> is getting razzed, you know? Um, did you guys see the documentary? Portugal on almost just scored, guys. On Hulu? Oh, yes, I did. It's wild. Yeah, and that's will, part of it. It's wild, will, and it's all true. I will say the, the, the if podcast... If your school's president posts a picture with his pants unbuckled on Instagram, you're getting razzed. You think Paige Patterson would do that? No. <laughs> uh, do I think he would do it? Different question from Do I think Albert Moeller would do that? Absolutely not. Uh, do, do, no, he would not. Doing um, it and posting the picture are two very different things. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I will say... Uh, have, I, have I ever told you guys my wild Paige Patterson story? No, but I oh, bet no. you're about to. <laughs> so my the church that I was at while well, I was in seminary in Texas... Our worship leader, would, he taught guitar and, like, you know, intro to worship stuff at Southwestern, and they had this big fundraiser banquet, and he's a, he's a classical guitarist, and he was the entertainment for the evening. And so he was told, you know, hey, you know, come to this banquet. We just want you to kind of sit on the side of the stage and play while people are eating. And then when the presentations happen, you know, grab yourself a plate and then come play again at the end. And so – um the speaker is speaking, so he goes and he gets a plate and he sits down and he's told, no, 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 you don't – that that seat is for uh, you know, is for someone who's giving to this fundraiser. That's not for you. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm one of the professors here. I'm doing this thing. And they're like, no, no, no. Did Paige tell you you could sit there? And he said, no. And so they're like, hey, where's he supposed to sit? And Paige like pointed to the back. So he had to take his meal and sit in like the, the backstage storage room. With Paige's three giant dogs that he brought with him to the fundraiser, dude, I think Jesus told a parable about this. Yeah, and so and that was his last semester teaching there. He was like, "Okay, Yikes. this is wild." 
So there's a whole lot of funny things well, we could say about a lot of different schools. Well, that's a disparaging story. Yep. Um, <laughs> great way to end a podcast. <laughs> All I was going to say is the Jerry podcast. Jerry Falwell Jr. never did that to anyone. <laughs> yeah. He sure didn't. The podcast of. Um, he was the one sitting in the corner. Oh, no, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, I was literally about to say he watched. And then oh, he said that. No. <laughs> Guys. For the record, let's go ahead and re- say uh, Andrew is the one now mocking the things of liberty, okay? No. That's right. That is correct. Man, that was um, so perfect. No. <laughs> okay. All I was going to say, and we're going to end this immediately before like liberty sues us or something. Um, the Gangster Capitalism podcast is way better than the actual Oh, dude, it's wild. Yeah. Uh, it goes in way more detail and about a lot more stuff. This one is Plus the narrator, stuff. his voice. It's like Timothy Miller signing off of this. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that it's pretty great. It's pretty good. But uh, the documentary does not make this, the story look good. But I will say this. I have another friend uh, who's uh, actually just finished an undergrad. I know a lot of people who've graduated from Liberty. And I'll just say from an academics standpoint, I've heard nothing but good things. It's just it's just you hear some of the shady stuff from the uh, the executives. It, it makes them an easy punching bag. But uh, well, big houses got to clean their rooms, kind of boys. Like going to a state school when you've got buddies at an Ivy League school. It it might not be as prestigious, but the credits transfer the exact same way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But Liberty is a good. Online. But it's also not like it's not like Liberty. Like you're kind of making that joke about how um going to a liberal art thirty thirty hour liberal arts whatever program. It's like at the end of the day, we're all getting letters after our name. But yours, but Liberty is a good school. Like they have good professors. They're like making you know great stuff. So. I, I'm not trying to disparage the education so when we get there. I have a good friend right now who's graduating from there. Um, so all I have to say is Jeff was right. It's 100% Andrew. Nothing I'm just trying to school. disparage Andrew. That's all. <laughs> I get so it. I with, understand. With that said, if you want this kind of razzing, I like that word. I don't ever use that. If you like this kind of razzing, go to the Practically Pestering Conference. You won't get razzed, but you can all join us as we razz Andrew together. Um, with that said, I'm Frank Gill. I'm Jeff Simpson watching Portugal, Uruguay. It's on right now. It's exciting. Dumbar, you're muted. I'm muted, and I'm Dumbar Pete. <laughs> All right. I'm Andrew Larson. And I'm Timothy Miller. This is Presley Pastor. This See was the next rustiest week. episode ever. Bye. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Thanks for listening. Get connected to other pastors by joining the Practically Pastoring Facebook group, where we get to share ideas and make each other better. 